Well, hello, Willow Creek. Uh, my name is Miguel. Uh, I'm the campus pastor over at our Crystal Lake location. We are one church, multiple campuses, multiple locations around Chicagoland. It is truly a privilege to be a part of this team and a part of this church. Well, you know, during my college years, a uh, long time ago, I was actually on a traveling music ministry team. And what we would do is we would do uh, character edu- education assembly programs in public schools. Uh, teaching them about making good choices. And then all of the uh, cities that we would travel to and do these assembly programs in the schools, we would also partner with the local churches and we would do uh, kind of special music, you know, an ensemble or, or a song or two or even the entire service. This was during the season of like split tracks. There wasn't a live band. That, we weren't that cool yet, you know, but it was a split tracks that we were singing to and, and it was great. And, and we traveled to all over the country, hundreds of churches that I got to travel to big churches, giga churches, mega churches, small or even startup churches. We'd also go to every kind of denomination. I mean, First Baptist Church, Second, Third, Fourth, Fifth Baptist Church, uh, Wesleyan, Nazarene, Assembly of God, Church of God. I mean, all kinds of denominations within evangelical faith. And it was uh, an amazing experience. But something I noticed when we traveled on the road is that um, I remember we would sing one song um, at a church. And then we would go down the road and the church would sing that same song, but in a completely different rhythm, and it changed everything. The whole experience was different. And so I remember as a kid, um, as a kid, uh, I grew up in a church where we sing hymns and praise choruses. You guys remember some of those, some of those songs? Yeah? Um, uh, how many of you guys have heard the song, it's, it's more of a praise chorus, um, What a Mighty God We Serve? What a mighty God. Yes. I see you, Crystal Lake. I see you. Yeah. Uh, what a mighty God we serve. And here's the thing. As a kid, we would sing this song, um, and we would clap on the one and three. Okay? One, two, three, four, right? So we'd clap on the one and three. So, so clap with me. Like that. And it sounded like this. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Sing it on. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Yeah. All right. You just, you just, we just went back, you know, back in time, a little throwback. It was great. We'd sing this song. It was encouraging. It was wonderful. But then I remember sometime down the road of my life, okay, I remember hearing this song at a different church and they were not clapping on the one and three, Okay. They just instinctively started to clap on the two and four, and it completely changed my life. we got a two and four person right here. Yeah, yeah. It changed my life. And I was like, what am I listening to? They just, boom, they just went for it. And I'm like, what is this song? And so in the two and four, it sounds like this. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, join me. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Yeah. This is the day. Okay, no. Okay, I'm going to stop. Whew. I felt the Holy Spirit. Whew. This is good. This is good. I mean, all of a sudden, we, we would, we're singing the same song, same words, same key, but get a totally different experience. And all because the rhythm changed. 
The rhythm changed. We're in a series called Road Trip Radio. We're looking at the book of Psalms. And today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And here's the thing about Psalm 119. When you read through this psalm, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses. So since they gave me three hours to preach today... I mean, come on now, we're just get, we're going to go, th- no, I'm just kidding. Um, here's the thing though, Psalm 119 is a beautiful, beautiful chapter. And when you look at, at it and you study it, this psalm was written over, likely over a very long period of time. You see, and then in, in this psalm, these, these verses are not like, it's not like a chain where the thoughts kind of all link together. Um, and, and just perfect harmony. And, and it's actually more of like, like uh, pearls that are being strung together. Thoughts that were kind of compiled and collected over, over a lifetime. And the beautiful thing about this psalm is that it is clearly focused on one primary thing. It is encouraging us to follow the word of God. Over and over again, this psalm repeats nearly in every verse, explaining to us the urgency and the adoration that we ought to have for God's word. It uses phrases like law and decrees and precepts and statues and his word, and it encourages us to follow it all the days of our life. Help me not to stray from it. It is so powerfully understood in this chapter that the Bible God's word is how we ought to live. We should be grounded and founded in the word of God. And so some of the most uh, popular passages or or even verses uh, people have quoted are found in this chapter. Let me just read a couple of verses for you in Psalm 119. It says this, verse 9 through 11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Stay on a rhythm there. There's a rhythm. What does it say? By living according to your word, right here. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And here's another common verse, popular verse. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, over and over and again, is just encouraging us. This is how we live our life, according to his word. And the psalmist is basically saying this. It's saying that there is a rhythm on the road trip of your life that God wants us to live by. He's saying, God is saying, there is a a, a beat I want you to start with, a rhythm in your life I want you to live by. And God, all throughout Scripture, is encouraging us to live to the beat of his heart and not our own. And this is really what we call the Christ life when we're in rhythm with God. Now, there are all kinds of rhythms that we, we find ourselves in in different seasons of our life, and, and there's all, some of them are actually, none of them really, really are bad. They're just sometimes, sometimes they're just great. Uh, rhythms like, man, I want to get my kids back on schedule for the fall school year, the, the greatest comeback school year ever, right? I'm excited for it. I'm excited. But then there's other rhythms like, that, are, that are pretty good too. Sometimes it's just, man, I want to, I want to eat better. I want to get in rhythm of eating better. I want to get in rhythm of, of working out and exercising more. I need to lose weight and feel great, right? That, that's my rhythm. I want to get in there. 
Sometimes rhythm is just, hey, I want to date my spouse more or spend more time with my kids or grandkids. And listen, all those rhythms are great, wonderful. I hope you do it. But then there are some other rhythms in our life that are not so good. And we find ourselves kind of slowly drifting into these other rhythms that are not the best for us. So maybe we find ourselves all of a sudden, we look and we think about it and we go, you know, I don't know the last time I've actually opened up my, my Bible and read it. I don't know the last time I was really in a community where, where I knew them and they knew me. Maybe it's a, it's a rhythm we've been on that, man, we just haven't attended church like we used to. It, it, just a little bit off rhythm. Maybe it's a rhythm that, that has completely isolated you and, and you're kind of feeling alone these days. And some of us, we are living in such a way where you know something is off, but you don't know exactly what it is. We don't feel God like we used to. We aren't motivated like we used to be. And we get sort of stuck in these ungodly type rhythms in our life. So you heard our band, incredible band, and all our worship pastors at all of our locations. They do a wonderful job leading us in worship every single week. But one of the things that the band has for them, a tool that really keeps them together and keeps them focused uh, in sync, is something called an in-ear. It's an in-ear voice and a metronome that keeps them on the right rhythm. And it's just this voice, it's over and over. Verse. Chorus. And over and over and over, it's just in their ear, and it's keeping them together. It's keeping them on the right rhythm. Could you imagine if every single band member decided, I'm just going to play the song the way I feel it, right? I'm just going to choose my own tempo. I'm just going to add this run here or that lick there, and I'm just going to feel it out, and I want to be my own person. Could you imagine if that actually happened? It would just be utter chaos, on the stage, and all of us listening to that would feel very uncomfortable. It would be very hard to follow that. Here's the thing. The Bible actually says in Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is a, a click track, a, a Christ-like click track that is being communicated over and over and over again in scripture, in his word, that is trying to get us to move to the beat of his heart, to move in rhythm with God. It's saying, it says things like, seek first the kingdom of God. There's your downbeat. That's where we start. We don't clap on the one and three, we clap on the two and four. Right, right? right? There's no right or wrong right there. Okay, you get this. But you know what I'm saying? This is what the Bible, over and over again, there's a Christ-like click track that if we listen to it, is trying to lead us in. And this is what I love about the Word of God. This is what I love about Psalm 119, how it urges us to live according to His Word, is that when the Word of God comes into your life and my life, it interrupts those other rhythms. It interrupts those other rhythms that we've been living on. So when we read something in the Bible, when we read something or hear the word of God and we feel kind of uncomfortable and and it kind of challenges us a little bit, you know what's going on? It's interrupting those other rhythms. The life we've been living, he's going, no, 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 there's 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 another way to live. There's another rhythm I want you to get on. It's the good life. It's what we call the Christ life. Jesus wants 
life abundant for you and for me. But we live in a day and age that this is arguably the most talented generation than ever before, but also the most distracted generation than ever before. We are so distracted in our day, in this season, in this time that you and I are living in. We are so distracted. There are distractions everywhere that is fighting for our attention and for our allegiance. Squirrel! Like, it's just there. There are distractions that are so small they can actually fit in your back pocket. Oh man, someone, someone just got freed today. I feel that. I mean, you wake up, what are you, the first thing you do in the morning, oh. this is you, this is, uh, yeah, and then, you know, so much so that um, sometimes we're doing it so much it falls on our face, you know, you know that happens? Bah! I mean, literally, it's smacking you in the face. But this is, I mean, the, the small little contraction has been such a distraction for us. We actually have to schedule vacations away from this. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you and I, you gotta, we have to understand, we do this, we put it in our back pocket all day long, we get notifications that are just buzzing all day long in our back pocket like a shock collar. So just, oh man, there's, an, oh, there's another, and you just you gotta, gotta check it, you gotta check it. You do, you do understand this, you and I were not created to carry the entirety of conversations of the human race in our back pockets. It makes us crazy, it takes us off rhythm. Okay? Yeah, praise the Lord. Hey, let me just show you a little function here. If you actually hold the sides, uh, it's a little secret button. It shuts, it off. It shuts off. Someone got set free today. <laughs> okay, I got to get focused here, man. I'm getting distracted. Here's the thing. There are distractions everywhere, and the enemy knows that. Satan knows that. Jesus warns us about this in John 10, 10. It says this, the thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. I, this is Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So something important that you and I must remember is that Satan is out to destroy you and me. And one of the tactics of the enemy to destroy us is to first isolate us, to distract us so much so that we actually feel isolated. So just remember this, isolation comes before destruction. Anything that is about to be uh, destroyed will first be isolated. So let me just ask this question, rhetorical question. Do you feel alone today? Do you feel like you're all alone in your world, like no one cares? Like the situation you're going through is unique only to you and no one else understands. No one else cares. You feel by yourself alone. And here's the craftiness of the enemy. This is the craftiness of Satan and how he works. And I once heard it said this way, so remember this. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. The devil does not need to destroy you if he can distract you. If he can distract you enough, you will go down that path, that ungodly rhythm, all on your own. And Jesus and the word of God constantly warns us about this ungodly rhythm, this progression that takes place. If you're just distracted a little bit and you start heading that direction, it says this in James 1. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away, you're thrown off rhythm, by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
There's an ungodly rhythm that Satan knows if he can distract you with, you and I will go down that path that leads to destruction. So I just want to give you, for the rest of the time today, I want to give you a few distractions that you have probably experienced, some of the most common distractions you and I face on a regular basis. The first one is this, doubt. Doubt is a distraction. And when doubt enters our life, Satan uses this to throw us off rhythm. He's been doing it since the beginning. Listen to Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say Does it really mean that? Does the Bible really say that? This is one of the strategies of the enemy, to cast doubt. So remember this and take note of this. The very first thing Satan did was cast doubt on the word of God. The very first thing Satan does in recorded history is cast doubt on this, on his word, on the word of God. And just as a quick side note, if you're wondering, there's a difference between doubt and questioning. Questioning something is when we are trying to get a better cognitive or even conceptual understanding of something or some topic. It's really a matter of the head when you're questioning something. And actually, I would encourage us to question things, to ask questions, to to ask about it and seek it out and learn more. But doubt goes much deeper than that. Doubt is a matter of the heart. Why would Satan cast doubt? Because it's a matter of the heart. And he knows that it'll take us completely off rhythm. But something I've learned about doubt is that when doubt cements itself in our life, it actually leads to another distraction, another ungodly rhythm, the rhythm of worry. Worry. I don't know if you've heard or read the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, but Jesus said, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Some of you are planning your lunch right now. I get it. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Man, that sounds great. I have to be honest with you. I worry a lot. I worry a lot. I get, I get thrown off rhythm with worry all the time. It sometimes is so consuming because when I worry, my mind goes to the most dramatic scenarios. I mean, it's powerful. I got, you guys remember that old TV show, Unsolved Mysteries? Oh man, as a kid, that show freaked me out. Okay, I, I was so worried. Unsolved? You mean they're still out there? So no joke, I would run. When I would go take the trash out at night, I would run to the trash can and back because I was so worried that something would happen. Even today when I'm on a plane, like I'm, I'm totally fine flying, but all of a sudden, like this little thought pops in my mind and doubt and I'm going, you know, I never met the pilot. Did he go to pilot school? I don't know. And all of a sudden, I don't know him. There's just this voice that's coming over. The, oh, hey, don't worry. We're about to take off. Really? And all of a sudden, my head will start to go, man, what if, what if something happens to the plane and my wife is left without a husband and my kids without a father? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, I'm just, just caught up and I'm, before you know it, I'm thrown off rhythm and in this ungodly rhythm of worry. But worry is so interesting because sometimes worry can come about because there's just too many decisions to make. 
Some of the most toughest moments of our day is deciding what we're going to eat and order from the menu at the restaurant. The waiter or waitress comes over and goes, what would you like to eat? I don't know. What do you recommend? I don't know. Okay, start us out with some water. We're safe there. Okay, come back in like five minutes and then you come back. What do you need? I don't know yet. We, We haven't decided. We're so nervous. What if we choose the wrong thing? But see, like, worry just sneaks in. There's too many decisions to make. Sometimes the everyday decisions of our life can throw us in worry. What school am I going to go to? What major am I going to claim in college? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we're just thrown off. We put so much weight into our worries and not enough weight to the word of God. We we focus so much on, on the what ifs and not enough on his for sures. And it throws us off rhythm. And all of a sudden, we're on a completely different path. So doubt leads to worry often. But worry, if we allow it, if we live in it long enough, can actually lead to something I've seen in our day and time. And that is a distraction of discouragement. Discouragement. I once heard a godly man and leader. He said this. He said, greatness is not determined by wealth or talent or accomplishments, but by what it takes to discourage you. Discouragement will always be present in our life, knocking on the front door, trying to get in. Discouragement will tell you that your life is not worth living. And if we listen to the rhythm of discouragement, you will begin to wonder, will I ever get out of this situation that I'm in today? And there are moments in our life that are so trying to the human soul, it so violently attacks us, and discouragement is right there to remind us, you can't do it, you can't get through, your situation is impossible. And we get stuck in discouragement. I've seen discouragement today take leaders out of ministry, bring spouses to quit their marriages, bring people to quit their callings and their jobs. I've seen discouragement divide staff and teams. I've seen it lead people down a very dark path and live so far below their means of what they could ever accomplish for the Lord. But I've also seen in my time and travels around the country going to hundreds of churches. Listen to me, I've seen, not only in our country, but all over the world, discouragement bring churches to close their doors, to shut down, because pastors and ministry leaders and small group leaders and volunteers and leaders in the church and congregation members have fallen to a rhythm of discouragement. In my opinion, I believe discouragement has been the number one distraction in this last season of our life, and it completely takes us off rhythm. Which is why it's so important to read and lean into the word of God, because Psalm 119 says something so clear in verse 33. He says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, and listen to this last part, that I may follow it to the end. That I may follow it to the end. Not just get started, not just have a good run, but to the end. And little by little, we follow it to the end. 
So I want us to remember something because um, I, think, I think discouragement doesn't just happen. We don't just wake up and we're discouraged. It's really over a period of time, a gradual progression, a collection of decisions that you and I have made over some time that brings us to a point of discouragement. And as counselor once told me, before you fall into a rhythm of discouragement, your disciplines will leave you first. And all of a sudden we'll say, I don't need church today. And then they'll say, I, I don't really need to read my Bible today. And I don't really want to get in a group. I don't really want to serve. And we fall into a, a rhythm of discouragement decisions over time, little by little. So I want us to all remember this and allow it to sear your brain and haunt your dreams, okay? I want you to remember this. Beware of suds. Beware of suds. What are suds? Seemingly unimportant decisions. Seemingly unimportant decisions. Because understand this, Satan may not tempt you with the world's greatest evil, but he may very well tempt you with a seemingly unimportant decision that takes you off the right rhythm. A seemingly unimportant decision to stop attending. A seemingly unimportant decision to not get in a group and not serve. A seemingly unimportant decision to spend time with someone other than your spouse. A seemingly unimportant decision to not call your kids and grandkids. They're fine, they're fine, they're fine. A seemingly unimportant decision to not play with your kids. A seemingly unimportant decision to not rest and take your day off and actually have a vacation with your family and loved ones. Seemingly unimportant decisions that take us off rhythm and take us off the wrong path. But I love what Psalm 119.33 says, we continue it to the end, to the end. We don't just start something, we continue it, following his ways to the end. And this is what I love so much about the word of God. Because we are encouraged to live it in it each and every day, to stick with it, to stay with it. This is the rhythm. But for a rhythm to be a rhythm, listen, it has to be consistent. A consistent beat or a pattern. You can't just hit something. I just woke some of you guys up. You're welcome. You can't just hit something once at random and walk away. That's just noise. There's no rhythm there. We can't just go, okay, I'm going to attend church on Christmas because you know it's legit around here with Christmas time. I got to go to that. And then one year later, I attend again. And you walk away going, yeah, I really didn't feel it. The pastor was like clapping and singing and kicking stuff. It was weird, right? So, but, but we try it. We try it out. And that's what we do. And then we go, okay, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to serve. I'm going to try that, that junior high ministry, Elevate. I'm going to try that out. And you just, junior high, man. <laughs> right? We try it out. We try it once. And then walk away. Or, hey, I'm going I'm to, you know what? I'm going to get in a group. Okay, that lasted a little longer, but you know, you're like, I didn't really, uh, I don't really connect with that group. I guess groups just aren't for me, right? We try once. Hey, I'm gonna, oh man, you know what? Generosity is uh, a part of the heart of God and we understand that uh, it's not what God wants from us, but what God wants for us. And, and yeah, I wanna give, I wanna be a part. I wanna give backpacks. I wanna give to our community. I wanna give through the church and we go, yeah, <laughs> give once. I paid my dues, <laughs> that's good, Right? 
And here we do. Here's, this is how we often live our life, the Christ life. We go, I tried it, Pastor Miguel. It didn't work. It wasn't for me. We try it out, but listen, we don't live it out. We don't follow it to the end like Psalm 119 encourages. We just randomly hit these moments in our life and we go, oh, well, I guess I'm going to try something else. You know, I don't feel God, Miguel. But what happens if you decide I'm actually going to do something and be in rhythm? Now, I see a drum set behind me, so I'm going to head that way, okay? Because I'm like, okay, if we're going to live in rhythm, in rhythm with God according to his word, there has to be something consistent. We can't just hit a drum or, or hit something or try something and then walk away. We actually have to have something consistent. Okay, so all of a sudden you go, okay, there's a rhythm there. You feel it, I feel it. I know Crystal Lake feels it. We feel it because we're doing it over and over and over again. We are consistent. Now what happens when a like-minded person joins you in that rhythm? What happens when another person who believes what you believe and says, man, I want to be a part of this. I'm not just going to hang out together. I want to be a part of a move of God. And now another person joins. Sooner or later, listen, you're not just in a rhythm. You're feeling the body of believers coming together to love God, love people, change the world. And all of a sudden, you're not just in a rhythm. You're in a revival. way and all of a sudden you're on that beat and you're inconsistent with the rhythm of God and when something interrupts the rhythm and all of a sudden you go okay what, what, what do I do you're fine because you know the rhythm it's found in his word and over and over again you and I need to understand that even when life takes us by surprise when that when it interrupts our life and and something happens to our nation or in our world or in our families we don't get shaken by it because we have the rhythm we have the word of god we literally can stand on his word every time so we're not shaken we're not thrown off we rely on something that is immutable and unchangeable. We keep coming back to the same rhythm. Nations and nation states will rise and fall, but the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And each and every time we feel ourselves getting thrown off rhythm, why can't I feel God? Why can't I be like it used to be? What's going on with this season that you and I are in? We realize we're off rhythm, but there's a rhythm right here. And he's saying, come back to me. Come back to me. Get in rhythm. Serve, give, attend. Be a part of this move of God to love people, to love God, to change the world around us. And nothing will ever stop his church. Even the very gates of hell can't prevail against his church. The word of God in our life can bring dead things to life. It pierces the heart and the soul like a double-edged sword. So what rhythm are you on? Has doubt, worry, and discouragement overwhelmed you, completely thrown you off? Do you need to get back in rhythm with God today?
Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. And thank you for Psalm 119 as the psalmist just describes this beautiful adoration to your word in our life. Would you help us listen to the Christ-like click track that is found in your word and help us to live according to it in Jesus' name. Amen.